When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Even if Chunky Kong is considered the biggest and strongest member of the Kong family, it can be argued that the latter is only true in Donkey Kong 64 because in Donkey Kong Country Returns and Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D, Donkey and or Diddy Kong would later punch slash headbutt the moon out of orbit. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) I didn't read that. I think beforehand i was very happy with where that ended someone some fan was like how dare they suggest how dare they say that chunky kong is the strongest he did not headbutt the moon out of orbit welcome to the crunch the only podcast that thought absentee ballot was a kind of alcohol it's your boy ethan (laughs) and i'm patrick does that mean we're talking ballot. about the does that mean we're talking about the election this week? No. You know what? You guys know what this week is. You guys know what's coming up this week. That's right. Halloween, election. baby. Oh, oh. Equally spooky. It's <laughs> what's scarier. Yeah. Uh, uh 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 someone coming to your house wearing a a scandalous Halloween outfit or Joe Biden in a scandalous <laughs> Halloween outfit. It's great because the it's great because in order to dress up like a skeleton, he just has to take off his suit. <laughs> um, I heard that Trump is going as an orange. It's this too year. it's too easy to make a joke about what Trump would be for Halloween. It's no he he he'd like he you know those little you know those little pumpkin costumes you give to little babies. Yeah. That's it. That's what it is. That's it. That's what he is. And he's like equally excited. He like keeps telling people about it. He goes like, "Hey, did you see my costume? My mom got it for me. It was a not. It was a. It was twelve dollars at Walmart. Twelve dollars. We're dressing up. Guess what? The me and my three teammates are dressing up as for how you're gonna love this for how. Okay. Yeah. I'm so the Power Rangers. No. The Three Musketeers. Nope. Third guess is your last one. Okay. Um. The Holy Trinity. There's chicken, four of us. Chickens. <laughs> Both. One of you guys is going to be holy and the other one is spirit. Uh-huh. Uh, I, Carly. Oh, I love that. Which one are you? Yes. I'm Spencer. <laughs> okay, good. As of right now, I'm pretty sure they're watching an episode of I, Carly to determine what their outfits are going to be because Rachel's going to be Carly because she's got dark hair. Yeah. Emily's going to be Sam because she's got light hair. Sam is going to be Freddie because... I don't know. He's younger than me. Okay. <laughs> I suppose. And then I have to be Spencer because I'm kind of the older brother of all of them. And you're and you're so tall. I'm tall. Uh, Sam's uh, taller than me. Oh. Yeah. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, I'm going to have to wear either. Everybody in that show wore a polo shirt over a long sleeve shirt. Like, every, yeah. everybody just kind of stacked clothes in that show. That Yeah, that was the early 2000s. Everybody right. just kind of wore... Every, every episode, Miranda Cosgrove had a tank top on over just a long sleeve shirt with mm-hmm. jeans. And you're just like, wow, and a an denim iconic jacket. look. And the denim jacket. Yeah. Freddie's always rocking the polo. Spencer a, sometimes had the suit jacket with the t-shirt, the graphic tee underneath. The Chris Padgett, as we know yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, yeah. the... Uh, or they had one of those shirts with like two random words, like spaghetti clown or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fart elevator. Shirt pants. I think we're actually going to make spaghetti. Spaghetti tacos. So that I can have a spaghetti taco so that it's it's a prop because otherwise I might just look like a nerd. <laughs> and everyone's be like, who are you? Because I can't. What I would really like to have is like have a broom and then light uh-huh. the broom on fire. Because... <laughs> But that would be unsafe. That would be unsafe. You, know? you gotta have uh, you gotta have that wheel of um, that wheel of hammers. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the wheel of hammers. Yeah. What if I got two hammers and taped them together, and that's and that's spun them art. really that's fast? Your art. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he had a lot of very distinctive. He had a lot of things that were external to himself that were distinctive. It's kind of hard to dress up as yeah, that's true. a wheel of hammers or to like bring a wheel of hammers with me. 
you know, wherever I'm going. Yeah, there's like we could do be really funny if they all dressed up as the three and then I dressed up as baby Spencer from the bit that they did. Can I be Gibby? Yeah, you can be. Please stop. Please stop. Please stop. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick is disrobing (laughs) in a church in a youth ministry office in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Mama, there goes that man. (laughs) That's pretty scary, huh? Yep. Spooky. So the scary. So that's that's me. What do you what are you doing for Halloween? Oh, my gosh. Uh plans do people trick-or-treat in oh, your neighborhood phoebe said phoebe said that well no, nobody's allowed to trick-or-treat now mm. uh, so phoebe said that for halloween she's gonna dress up like me and i'm gonna dress up like her and she was like how are you gonna fit in my clothes and i was like easy i'll just take one of my t-shirts back from you um <laughs> shots fired at yeah. women around the globe but so she was like she was like how am i gonna oh, well, she's like okay i'll dress up like you for the day and then She's like, I'll sit in the corner and I'll be like, hmm, excuse me, babe. I'm going to go and read an intellectual book and be smart for five hours. <laughs> and I'm like, is this an insult? This is pretty, I feel pretty I good right it's, now. It's good. <laughs> I can focus for long amounts of time on difficult material. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This sounds like a compliment. <laughs> I'm going to inexplicably still wear Converse and make them work. I'm Patrick Nevy. Thanks. I don't do that. I, I've seen you wear Converse. Oh, when? Your wedding? Yep, that was it. That's when I did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wear I wear Sperry's sometimes. Do you really? Yeah. What's I your do. main what's your daily driver shoe? My daily shoe? It is yeah. it is my it is my Sperry's. I don't have I don't have Let me see. 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 Take them off. <laughs> the chair just breaks. <laughs> yeah. It has it has the little thing in it that like keeps it from bending back, but sometimes uh-huh. it jiggles loose. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, these are my shoes. Those are great. Everybody's yeah. everybody's loving this right now. Yep, it's great. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Do we actually do we have to talk about the election? Do you no. want to talk? Is there anything that you want to say about that? Because I know that you sometimes got to get it out of your system. No, there's really nothing I want to talk about about the election. I've just been I've been reading. I read a book recently about. I was telling you about the book about Facebook that I read. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's pretty good. It's called Zucked. If you guys are like me and you have that library app on your phone. It's uh, overdrive. Overdrive, yeah, it's pretty good. I just it's on, it's on that most yesterday. of them. It's on most of them, so you can probably pick it up. Uh yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's Zucked. It's by this guy named Robert McNamee or something, and he 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 advised he advised Mark Zuckerberg in the early days of Facebook. So Yahoo offered to buy Facebook for a billion dollars, and then so did Google. And Zuck came to him and was like, "What do I do?" And he was like, if they're offering to buy you, that means they're scared. Don't sell. And so he didn't. And da da da. da. So now well, we have. Well, that's not always true because somebody bought MySpace from that guy. Yes. And now it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. So wait, what do you mean? If face, so like the guy who made MySpace sold it for like five hundred million dollars or something mm-hmm. like that. Now he just travels the world and does all kinds of cool stuff, but. I don't think anybody purchased MySpace because they were scared, or at the very least, if they were scared, their fear was misplaced. Well, because yeah, I MySpace mean, MySpace turned out to be a nothing. So the well, is that because it was nothing, or because someone bought it? Because the point that he brings up is that it might not be because they're scared, but it's because they see value in it, mm. which is just obviously true. But what ends up happening when a large tech company buys a smaller piece of software? Facebook literally does this now. The the energy of the startup, the founder, the person who like worked hours and hours on this and years and years on this thing, they now sell their product to a company who makes a new department with like a director of Facebook, you know, and then they, they have a bunch of people who are just there for the paycheck. They work nine to five and they leave at five and they go home and then they don't think about it and they come back and it it moves slower. So the companies buying up smaller tech companies ends up lessening innovation because because people that don't care about it are working on it and so that that was that was his point is that he was like i don't want facebook to become like that but now facebook is that business that does that you know right and that's why we're never going to sell our podcast to ascension presents that's why hey listen listen here ascension if that is your real name we're never gonna sell okay 
We know you're actually Transfiguration presents. We know you're actually Transfiguration presents, and and we uh, we're like we're like Carl from the movie Up. Like you can build as many skyscrapers around us as you want, but one day we're gonna attach a bunch of balloons to this podcast, and we're gonna fly to South America with a fat Chinese kid and a bird. So there. We're like Carl from Jimmy Neutron. You can offer <laughs> us llamas as much as you want, but no matter what, I'm gonna stick by my friends, Jimmy and Sheen. Jimmy and Jimmy's mom. i've been working on my carl impression yeah just for a moment right like this llamas yeah Mm -hmm. pretty good croissant croissant Croissant. they get they get super famous and they (laughs) the battle of the bands episode where they turn into divas and carl starts wearing funny sunglasses for no reason (laughs) gosh that's so funny i miss that i miss those good good old days what a good good show. show It was only on for three seasons, believe it or not. Well, seasons in kids' shows are very long. Like, Phineas and Ferb only has four seasons, not that I'm counting, and each of them has, like, 35 episodes to it. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. I don't know how kids' seasons work. I think it's... I don't either. It's different than regular adult seasons. Because I remember it was, it was, it was always... shows these days have a season. It's six episodes. Right? And, it's, and each one is, like, an hour and a half long. Yeah, uh, I, I don't actually... Movie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how kids new episodes of kids shows work but i remember never knowing when a new episode of blank was coming but they would mm-hmm. advertise it for like five di- if it was like five weeks in advance it's like come and see a new episode of sweet life of zach and cody and they would show like a bunch of funny scenes from it and then when you're watching the show you're like i've seen that a billion times yeah, or they would do they would do the like stuff. a they would do a public domain song and they'd be like new episodes of sweet life of zach and cody on friday night that's true yeah why did they do that i don't know but it worked it worked it worked it's coming back to you isn't it yeah it's all impressed in my memory yeah i have a deep desire to go to the hot take time machine me too all right Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine. Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine. Oh, you're doing the thing that I did, huh? Oh, I got you real good. And now I got you. I got in trouble. Not in trouble, but I was told by multiple people that when I start saying what they're saying as they're saying it, it's really annoying. (laughs) And you're like, sorry. I I didn't realize that I did it. I just kind of would do it sometimes. And then I heard me do it to you on the podcast. And I said, that's gone too far. I, I can't do it anymore. It's time to stop. I'm ending the bit. This is the part of the show where we do the podcast, and we're Patrick. Do you have a hot take? I do have a hot take. Let me. Oh shoot! Let me pull up my. You didn't have it up. Well, so I have. I, I have a hot take. I, I pre. I pre prepared. I prepared. I, I didn't pair it. I prepared it, and it, so it is here. Wait, no, it's not there. Oh geez, where did it go? Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, girl from Impanina, roll it. Oh, wait. Yeah, here it is. Never mind. I'm silly. Okay. I just yes. didn't change the title. It said The Crunch, uh, <laughs> June 21st. I'm like, that's not today. This this uh, this this hot take time machine comes from June of 2014. Okay. Okay. It's easy to date a stranger, but it's more rewarding to date a friend. <laughs> what? I don't know what, <laughs> what I was mean? thinking. <laughs> I don't know. It's easy for me to imagine a life with that hot girl that just walked by. It's hard for me to date my friend. I don't I don't know who I was thinking about. <laughs> I don't remember exactly where I was in June of 2014. But then I followed it up with, mm-hmm. it's even more rewarding to have a relationship with Christ. Wow. I know. The I know. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my Steubenville talk. I think you might have been at a Steubenville conference in 2014. In June of 2014, it's very And you saw, you met somebody and you were like, wow, this is it for me. This is And I was like, no, 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 I want to date one of my friends. And then they disappeared disappeared into the crowd. (laughs) All of their clothespins with them. Mm-hmm. Did you mm-hmm. did that did that happen at your Steubenville conferences too? People would like clothespin each other. Let me and the only people that I would clothespin would be other young, attractive women. Like, other why? <laughs> as well, a young, attractive woman, a, the yeah, only person I'm gonna put a clothespin on is another I just, young. That I love the Steubenville conferences because they gave me my first relationship with Jesus. But I wish sometimes that it would have just been an all dudes thing because I. 90% of the time, I was not focused. 
I was not yeah. zeroed in. I was, I was not, not paying attention. I was not and fellowship of Catholic university students. Certainly they know that, right? Certainly they know that all the guys are just coming because the girls are going, and all the girls are going because their friends who are also girls are going. Everyone's girls, there for the girls. Girls rule the world. Who yeah, They do. And so now I'm scared because it's like, oh, I want to send my kid to a Steubenville conference one day. But it's like, I know what he's thinking when he goes. Because <laughs> I've done it. I've been there. Anyway, all boys school forever. All boys school forever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. Did you end up dating any of your friends from that era? Um, I don't. 2014 was just a blur. I was just the whole time. I was just dazed. I'm just kidding. I don't remember. who. Where was I? 2014. Yeah, I wasn't dating anybody at that point. I I hadn't even had a girlfriend yet in 2014, wow. in, in June of 2014. Hey, we've all been there. We have been. Would you like to hear my hot take? I would love to hear your hot take. I don't like. That was a pretty <laughs> embarrassing one, so I hope you have an embarrassing one too. Oh, I do. I do. I'm glad that we've got back-to-back bad Great. ones. This one's from October 20th, 2013. So this is even earlier than yours. What? Why is your... Oh, you're yawning. Okay, I yeah. thought you were shocked. Sorry. It's okay. Sleepy day on the pod. It is a sleepy on the pod. October 20th, 2013 is from Aberpostle. It says, quote, I'm not where I should be, but thanks be to God, I'm not where I used to be. Oh, God. <laughs> I think I saw that one on Instagram yesterday. One retweet, no likes. <laughs> one, wait, who retweeted it but didn't like I, it? That's poor I, form. I don't know. It was probably a bot. It probably was. It probably was a young lady. Yikes. Just yikes. October 2013 was a rough time for Ethan's Twitter account. Poor Ethan. I what I what, what where had I even been and where had I gone? <laughs> I hadn't been anywhere and I hadn't progressed at all. I didn't I wasn't putting any work into my spiritual life. Yeah, I was this? just I was going to youth group. Hang, I was eating tacos and apparently really wanting to date my friends. Yeah. Just weird. We were weird in high school, man. We were. I. I like. I. I remember in high school. I, I took a picture of myself from middle school, and I. I did put to all the girls who didn't want to date me in middle school. I get it. And now I say the same thing about myself in high school. And soon I will say the same thing about me now, and ask my wife why. Why? I had a dream the, this week that I was going back through and had to do high school all over again, knowing what I knew now. Terrifying. Terrifying. If you had to go back, what would you do differently? I would be much more nihilistic. I'd be like, hey, none of this matters. <laughs> this all I mean, sucks. Like, that's the problem. You're all sheep. <laughs> you're all, <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like, people would be like. were like, those guys that were like, you're all sheep, but they were the guys who had the communist manifesto on their backpack. Exactly. They, they were not the kind of guys you want to hang out with. Yeah. They, they didn't, they didn't know that high school wasn't all that there was, but they were just, they just had an inkling. They just happened to be right, but that doesn't count. You know, if I went back and did high school all over again knowing everything I know now, I would do pretty much everything exactly the same, except I would hang out with my boys more. Mm. I wouldn't hang out with the theater girls because it's literally drama club is in the name. (laughs) I would do stand-up comedy two years before, and I would keep doing it even though my friends made fun of me for it. I think I I agree with that. I think that's good. There's a lot of people... Uh, and I, I would would've... start this podcast. Yes, we would. You would contact me <laughs> much earlier. <laughs> I'd be I like, would've... Ethan, I woke up and I'm now a teenager again. And so are you. And you'd be like, who are you? We, who I are don't you? Know who is you? this person? You're the only person that's traveled back in time. I think uh, I would play a lot less video games. Mm. And I would learn an instrument. I actually probably would join theater because I never did a play. Yeah, plays are really fun. I think I, I would have done a play, and I probably wouldn't have fewer video games. I probably would have tried to do more plays, and by that I mean I wouldn't have uh, reacted the way that I did when my drama teacher said we were going to do Susical my freshman year. I had already done Susical twice in a row the year before, and mm-hmm. I was so not happy when I got to high school and she said we're doing Susical, and I was like, ah, okay, fine. That made me not get the lead role that I wanted. Um, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you goofer. That's yeah. ridiculous. Ugh, fine if I have to do Susical a third time. I guess. Don't you know su- that I'm I'm qualified to play Jacques Clouseau in the Pink Panther musical? I don't know. I was making that, that up. That'll, I was trying that'll to think exist of, uh, in two years. I was trying to think of Jean Valjean from Les Mis, but I said Jacques Clouseau, who's a different guy. Yeah. They're not the same. All right. Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean. All right. Give me, give me a topic, Patrick. Okay, 
I don't have a topic for you. But, you, but you what have I thought, do you have... Got you have thoughts swirling around. I do. I do usually have thoughts swirling around. So I... But before before we before we do any crunching, no crunching. I I want to I want to give a shout out to two specific people. Did you get those bumpers from Reagan? Reagan. Reagan. Yes. Shout out to Reagan for the shout bumpers. Shout out to Reagan. The business. Please bumper. put them in this episode. Yeah, I'll do. I will come up with business at the end of the episode to do the business. Just bumper. to do the business bumper. Just to do the business bumper. Shout out to Reagan for the bumpers. Also, side note. Shout out. Other shout out. Shout out to Jordan. Jordan. Uh, Jordan from the SOG podcast. Okay. Okay. Do you know about the SOG? Oh, I, I'm familiar. Yeah. Everybody knows the SOG. Okay. So they they did a they did a Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner goof on their Instagram. Uh-huh. And their their gra- their 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 design was very nice. I thought it was very cool. It was hip. And mm. I was like, man, I wish that our I was like I was like, you can't just outdo our social media like that. If you're gonna be a ripoff of the crunch, you have to have a horrible Instagram presence. Okay, that's part of our charm. Right. And I and she was like, I would totally do y'all's social media. And I was like, please do. I hope you're not kidding. And so now she does our social media. Wait, really? Yeah. How come you're giving away permissions without checking? How come everybody there's these minor incidents of things happening and they just don't filter back to me until well after? My team was like, oh, there was an incident this week, and I was like, what? Why do you guys tell me? They're like, you didn't need to know. Now you're telling me things. Yeah, I'm telling you things on the pod. So shout out to Jordan. Ugh. Go check out the SOG podcast. It's like it's a it's like uh, it's a, it's like a Catholic podcast, but there's women on it. Ooh. I know. What's um, what 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 permissions did you give her? I gave her permission to to post on our Instagram page. Oh, just our Instagram. Yeah. Well. Oh, that's I mean, fine. Yeah, she can tweet too if she wants. I don't care. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Nobody's on Instagram these days, or nobody's on just, Twitter anymore. I just can't. I just can't do Instagram. I, I just, I just don't. I mean, first of all, the only way you can post is if you keep it on your phone. And if I keep it on my phone, I won't get any work done. Right. Uh, because now there's also have, there's also there's the huge TikTok flaw. Answer. Yeah, TikTok's bad, and I'm not saying this as an attack to you, but I'm just saying Instagram a lot more lately has just become soft core pornography. And so, oh, and really? TikTok too. Oh yeah, of well, just these like weird dances and things that are just really sexual and not oh, good. Yeah, it's just it because it, I just have noticed more and more and more. Even just like what I see on my friends' phones, I'm like, that's really what you're looking at. Get that out of here. Yeah, it's it's not it's not good. When stuff like that pops up on my phone, I am ashamed, and I go, ah, go away. <laughs> That's the that's the appropriate response. Yeah. Ooh. Ugh, gross. I was I was thinking about the uh there was something that happened during the COVID-19 pandemic. Last night I texted my team at midnight and I just said COVID-19. One of my teammates Emily <laughs> is like she's kind of she's not worried but she's more aware of the virus than maybe some of us others are. Um she takes social distancing pretty seriously in those kinds of things. So I sent a message that just said COVID-19 at midnight last night because I think <laughs> so sometimes I'll just say that out loud. I'll just be like COVID-19 and they're like, what? what are you saying? I, think it's, I just think it's hilarious. And so she woke up this morning and according to Rachel, um, she was like, what does Ethan mean by that? Does he have COVID-19? Does one of his guys in Bible study have COVID-19? Rachel's like, no, he was just joking. <laughs> like, why would he, <laughs> if, if somebody had it, he would have said that they had it and not yeah, just right? said the like, name of the virus. <laughs> It's, it's like the last words you utter as you find out that you had COVID-19 and passed right. away. COVID-19. I also, I also was joking with Rosebud. Uh, I was also joking with Emma the other day because I said, you know, I really think I'm going to start taking some vitamins for this virus. And she was like, where were you in March? This It's November. It's been 10 months since the pandemic started and you're you're doing all these things. Anyway, so I like joking about COVID-19. Obviously, a very serious pandemic. We need to take it seriously. But uh, what was I? I got myself off on a tangent, Patrick. I don't remember what I was talking about. COVID-19 in New York when it first okay. was popping up. Uh, Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, has this relief organization thing that he does stuff through. It's very mm-hmm. Christian. It's very good. And all the hospitals in New York were overrun. And so he goes into Central Park or some park somewhere and he sets up all these tents and it was giving health care to people, to thousands of people, hundreds of people who couldn't get into the hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he was, um, you know, very pro-Christian message, especially on 
homosexuality and, and marriage and those kinds of things after he left, after they didn't need kind of the, the space anymore for the, mm-hmm. for the people in the hospitals, a bunch of counter protesters brought a bunch of rainbow flags and all of these things. And they said that they had to like exercise the area of demons. And they did like, I don't know if they did anything like super bad or anything like that, but they yeah. danced and sang and had a rally and, painted the whole place with rainbow flags and everything to exercise the demons of what Franklin Graham had left there because they didn't want his help because he was Christian. And I say this because I'm, we were thinking, we were talking about Instagram and we were talking about TikTok mm-hmm. and just how, how all those things are just ramping up on kids' phones. It's on YouTube. It's on TikTok. It's on Twitter. It's everywhere. Just more and more sexualized and all of those things. Yeah. And I was just thinking about how what's happening in New York 20 years is what's happening in the middle of the country now. And so if that's what's happening in New York now, in 20 years, we're going to be probably in a tough spot when it comes to like living out the faith without people coming in and thinking that they actually have to exercise our demons out of their public spaces rather than like the other way around, Yeah, which is just seems to be, it's a quick flip. And I think it's coming. I think it's coming fast within the next 20 years, probably. Hmm. This is my, the main topic I want to talk about, but it was just something that I've been thinking about of how what happens on the coasts is a pretty good indicator of what's going to be happening. What's going to happen soon. Yeah. Yeah. Soon everywhere else. That bugs me. I don't know. Like, tell me, obviously it bugs me. Cause I think, I think it's just, it's just kind of like, why, why are you going to, why are you going to do that? I don't know. That's my only, that's my only response. It's like, why would you, he's helping. So like, right. Are you saying that it, this is, it's okay, Patrick. You don't have You're to right. get too mad. Yeah, you can get mad though. Get I am mad, up. but I'm 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 mad, but I'm like in, I'm internally mad. It's just not something that I feel the need to get really worked up over about. I'm not gonna like scream. Sure, sure, sure. I'm not gonna like go Alex Jones and like wave my papers around. You know, <laughs> it's all in the documents, uh, Joe. I've got them right here. It's all in the documents. They're turning the frogs gay, and it's. The idea that there's something wrong with, even if someone does something good, I don't know. It's just so hypocritical because, it, it, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah. So somebody very constructive the, minute that I just a no, that was good. That I just it was did. good. You you stalled while I pulled up the a Church in Crisis book by Ralph Martin. Um, Great, good by who was it? Saint Paul's Outreach? No, Saint Paul, not Saint Paul's Outreach. The Emmaus uh, Road Publishing. Emmaus Road Publishing. That's just a, an arm of the publishing arm of the St. Paul Center for Biblical yes. Theology. Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. So give everybody uh, props. They sent us uh, forward copies of this book to read it and talk about it on the show. We'll probably talk about it more when I've actually finished the book. But it's a big book. A, it's a huge book. There's a section where he talks about this, and the speaker of um, the speaker of the New York City Council. Uh, who self-identifies as gay demanded that they leave. And he says, this hate group, which is led by the notoriously bigoted hate spewing Franklin Graham came at a time when our city couldn't in good conscience turn away any offer of help. That time has passed. Their continued presence here is an affront to our values of inclusion and is painful for all New Yorkers who care deeply about the LGBT community. And then it talks about how the activists cleansed, quote, cleansed the park where the field hospital had been. Queer flags of all stripes were on display Saturday morning, May 16th, as several dozen members of Reclaim Pride, Rise and Resist, and Reverend Billy Taylor's Stop Shopping Choir turned out in Central Park's East Meadow to exercise the demons left by the hospital tents that had been established there by Franklin Graham. So, just kind of a weird vibe. Yeah, I can't believe he took advantage of a city that needed help by helping. I can't believe he did that. How dare they cause harm? How dare they cause harm to me? Yeah, it's it's just so... I mean, we know that. People must know that's ridiculous, right? Some people know. Most people don't. Not most people. I would say some... Most people people know. Some people don't. And they see that that's like, oh, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. A lot of people are trying to do do that stuff out of a, a good place. Yeah, like, I'm sure. We just have to take the time to get to know them. I don't know. What's on your mind? You're looking. You're looking to the side. You're looking up and to the left. That's where my bookshelf is. Oh yeah. It's. 
Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. I saw a tolerance sticker on a car the other day that had like uh, Catholic stickers on it too. Mm. And like a coexist. Yeah. But it was specifically tolerance and it's tolerance. It's funny because the, the baseline for what we're striving for right now is just such a low bar mm-hmm. coexisting and tolerating each other. Yeah. And like the Diocese of Pittsburgh slogan is on mission for the church alive, which like sounds great, but it's like alive could be like comatose, you know, yeah, it, sure. as the church just needs to be alive. Like that's all we really care about. And it's, you know, what, and, 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 and politically we just want, we just want to not be polarized anymore. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. And it just seems, it just seems the, that to me that the liberal project is failing and when you say the liberal project, what do you mean? I mean the project that was started with Rene Descartes okay. and the Enlightenment and continued by John Locke and inherited by Thomas Jefferson and passed down to Bernie Sanders. Like that's what I'm talking about. To, okay. to Trump and Bernie Sanders. Like I, the the lib- again for for our listeners who don't who haven't listened to the past couple of weeks for for me, my truth. No, I'm just kidding. The word liberal <laughs> I use in the broad sense and liberal in in the broad sense it includes what we would call liberals on the left and conservatives on the right. Both of these groups are liberals. And I was invited to come on to a, uh, come on to a, a show. What? We were both, we were both invited to come on to the show. What is this? We were, but I haven't, I got the email a couple days ago. I haven't talked okay. to you about it yet. Okay. okay <laughs> we okay. were both invited to come on this, this Catholic political <laughs> talk show. What? And it's run by a couple of dudes. It's going to be fun. And, I'm and excited. we, yeah, we can go on, and, and what they want to talk about is they want to talk about what I said a couple of weeks ago, which is you oh. can't be a Catholic and be a liberal. Well, I don't want to come on anymore if they want to talk about what you talked about. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just want to come on if they want to talk about what you talked about? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, kind of. <laughs> kind of. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk to them about it. One of them said it resonated with him. The other said he didn't agree with it, which I think is fine. Yeah, but, I don't think you can be a classical liberal and be fully Catholic. In good conscience. Yes, I, I think That's, I think that this is I think this is true. I think the idea that you can be is an American invention. It's yeah. not something that you can persist in when you go to the extreme of because the it's like the Protestant in Protestantism and the Liber in liberalism is away from Catholicism. It's directed at Catholicism, um, and so specifically Roman Catholicism now. Liberalism, I think what, what Christian liberals didn't realize, I don't think you could be Christian and be a liberal. It's just that mm-hmm. people who invented liberalism were ca- called themselves Christians because eventually what happens is this. People who are so far, who, so, who care so much about separation of church and state, they won't even let the church strive for the common good with them. They won't even, they won't even let Christians do virtuous acts. Yes. Because they're so far away from the church. They so hate the integration of the church. And it's 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 to the point where the separation of church and state, now the state is public life. And so it's the separation of church and public life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, in a lot of ways, something that is really helpful is the language of rights. Because classical liberals really believe in the right to do what you would like to do that's Mm -hmm. kind of the idea so there should be free trade there should be limited government there should be um limited rules and laws on sexual morality limited rules and laws on things also things like religious freedom gender Mm -hmm. equality racial equality so like there are things that are good mixed in which is what makes it a little bit dangerous but it's this yeah elevation of individual rights over any other institution or any other hierarchy or any other uh, yeah. governing authority other than the self. And so mm-hmm. that's why, yeah, you can see strains of liberalism in both the Democrat and yep. the Republican side. Both, you can see both it the in political the, right and yeah. left believe in 
individual autonomy outside of the state. They both oh. do. Dang it. Okay. Well, I was gonna I was gonna connect this to the Protestant Reformation because there's this book there's this book that I'm reading called Pope uh-huh. Peter um, by Joe Heschmeyer, who's on my support team, or at least he was for a time. So shout out to Joe Heschmeyer. Everybody pick up his book and read it by Catholic Answers Press. Um, but it's essentially the argument for Catholicism based on the doctrine of the papacy because he argues that the papacy is not Catholicism's most important doctrine, but it's most uh, distinctive. So if the papacy is true, then you should be Catholic and you shouldn't be Orthodox or Protestant. Um, and if it's false, then nobody should be Catholic and you can be Protestant or Orthodox. And like, we can figure that out later. Um, but I mean, even the Orthodox have the Eucharist, even the Protestants believe in the divinity of Christ, but like Catholics only believe in the papacy. And like, so it's, it's a whole book on this, but he talks about um, the idea in, so there's a biblical idea of what it means to be sent out on mission. So there's really only two ways in scripture for someone to be sent out um, to preach the gospel. The first way is what God did to Moses and to Abraham and to Paul, which is just a miraculous uh, divine, individual divine revelation. Like Mm -hmm. God came to those people specifically, told them what he needed them to do, and then said, go and do it. I'm sending you. Go do it now. Um, The only other way in scripture where anybody is sent to do anything concerning the work of the Lord is through a hierarchical structure rooted in some kind of divine revelation, right? So... It's people who are in the Old Testament. It's people who are told to do things by uh, the priests and the Levites, by the the people who've been placed in charge, by the royal line of David, all these things, right? The kings and the judges and all those people that God has put into place. That's people are validly sent through that. Or in the New Testament, it's through Peter and the apostles and Paul sending Timothy and Barnabas and the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 and them sending, you know, Paul and Barnabas to go and correct the people who the one of the problems was that they were saying something wrong about circumcision, right? They were saying something incorrect. But the other problem was, is that the, and Peter highlights this in the letters, like we did not send them. They are preaching on their own authority. They're yeah. they're fully believers. They're fully Christian, but they're preaching what they want to preach without anybody sending them. And so those are the only two ways is divine revelation and being sent through a legitimate hierarchical authority pointing back to God. Well, you forgot, you forgot the third way. The third way someone gets sent is wanting to divorce their wife. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the, the, where this idea goes in. So he talks about Martin Luther and Martin Luther literally like he, 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 there's a sermon that you can find on John 10 and I don't remember exactly where to find it because I gave the book away to a Protestant friend of mine because he's going on a car trip for 12 hours. And I just said, read this book. Let me know what you think when you get back. You know what they say? All roads lead to Rome, baby. That's exactly true. Um, but I, I pointed this out to him when we were having Except a discussion. In America. And he said, uh, he's like, Martin Luther knew, and he said this in a sermon that he was giving on John 10. He said he knew that he was doing the wrong thing. He's like, ordinarily, there's no circumstance in which disobedience of the authority placed above me is okay. But if I don't do something now, then nobody's going to do anything. Right. So he like, that's a great point. Stop. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. <laughs> to him. Like if, if I don't do it, nobody's going to great. So don't so, do this. So don't do anything. <laughs> Please so don't do this. It's literally the, the birth. And this is what we don't understand. Right. Is that the Protestant reformation is, was not just, um, this guy who uh, we see we see Martin Luther as like a Robin Hood figure in America, right? He's mm-hmm. he's stealing from the rich and giving to the poor, right? He's yeah. taking from the wealthy papacy and he's taking from Pope Leo who's got in the Medici family and all these people who've got all this wealth up in the Vatican because they're collecting money off all these indulgences, which are all things that were wrong. They were doing things that were incorrect. Um and and he's and he's and he's divorcing from that and he's putting the the scripture into the the common language and he's writing a mass in german and he's getting all these people who are for the peasant class he's getting all these people who are for the people and not just for the institution yeah. viva la revolution viva la revolution. revolution and from an american point of view with the history that we have as a nation and the protestant culture that we have as a nation that is super appealing and it seems oh, like yeah. the exact right thing to do and you're like yes i've seen that before and it worked and now we yeah, have a country. Yeah, it works because we have a great country. Right. It's all good. Nothing bad has ever happened, and it's all because <laughs> we shot the British. Yeah. Now they're our friends. 
Yes. But but what it really is with this framework that we're talking about is like that is liberalism taking root in the church. Yes. The and Protestant Reformation invented liberalism. Yes. And that's how we can see yeah. the danger of liberalism in church context and in political context. Because then, so, so my friend that I was talking to, uh, who I ended up giving the book to, he's a great guy. Like he, he's honestly searching, he's reading church fathers. He's, he's awesome. Like I love having conversations with him. Um, he's very challenging, but he was like, okay, so maybe, um, it was the wrong thing to do. But like, even before in, like in scripture, like Moses did like kill the guy, you know, and then God made something good out of it, you know, and, and Abraham took lot with him was he, when he wasn't supposed to bring anybody with him when he went out. And mm-hmm. there's lots of examples throughout scripture of Peter denying Christ, you know, and then coming back of people doing the wrong thing. Um, and then being able to come back and, and be restored and be redeemed. And I'm like, okay, yeah. But first of all, the problem is that Martin Luther knew fully that he was doing the wrong thing. So like, that's that's not good. And second of all, you can just look at the fruits of the decision, right? Obviously, Jesus' mercy is is infinite. The difference between all those people is they all came back to God afterwards, and they asked for forgiveness, and they repented of what they did, and they yeah. began obeying God again. They began listening to God. The difference is if you look at what happened to the Catholic Church after the Protestant Reformation and what happened to everybody else after the Protestant Reformation, if you fast forward 100 years, the, the Counter-Reformation has happened. The Council of Trent took place the 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 mass was more uh regular reg, regulated the indulgences were reined in the all of the abuses with the money and all that stuff was reined in mm-hmm. the spiritual things were were more solidified people were teaching with more accuracy there was less um laxity with morality in the clergy and in the lay people like the counter-reformation worked right and it it set the church up for another three four hundred years of success um, until the Vatican II. Um, and so <laughs> yeah, oh, it's pretty good. But then if you look at the fruits of the Protestant Reformation, if you fast forward a hundred years, if Martin Luther had done the right thing, then you would see the fruit of that and you would see a solid line of, of oh, success. Yeah. You would see the uh, Lord blessing it, right? And, and, the, and bringing it to fruition. But what do you happen? Yeah. 30, 30 years after Martin Luther nails the thing to the thing, John Calvin, and he, Martin Luther wanted to keep the Eucharist. John Calvin's like, we don't need the Eucharist, right? And right after that, you got Zwingli and Martin Luther, and the first generation after those guys, John Calvin's like, we're getting rid of the Eucharist. And then yeah. you have you have the the Anabaptists, and then you have the Calvinists, and then you have the the, the Henry Anglicans VIII and the, and the Anglican, yeah. and all these things. And you see the splintering on that side of things, and you're like, that's the fruit of liberalism is the splintering, mm-hmm. is the and splintering, because it's the it's the self, it's the individual rights over everything. And whereas you see the Catholic Church chugging, like. Sometimes diverts, diverts somehow, from, yeah, right by the grace of God, and I just think you have to look at that and like, I do think that America, in a lot of ways, we're in that kind of splintering time, yeah. and I, I think that's really see, interesting to think about. You know, I just don't see how we can look at the Protestant Church, the Christian Church, and say, "Oh yeah, we're connected to the vine." Yeah, like even if Martin Luther called the Pope the Antichrist. Yeah, that doesn't like sound no, very connected to the vine to me. Yeah, that doesn't sound very connected to the vine to me. And uh, Lutheran Satire, the YouTube channel, put out a uh, put out a video a while back, and it was called "The Reformation Piggybackers." And essentially, he was making fun of Calvin, Zwingli, and Henry VIII for piggybacking off of Luther's Reformation. Mm-hmm. And it was just funny to me because I was like, "You don't get to complain. You don't get to complain. You don't get to you." It's like it's like what it's like a. Uh, Imagine, imagine you're the older brother, right? And you mm-hmm. find a cookie jar on the on the counter, and you know mm. if you take a cookie, mom's not gonna notice. Right. But if your other two brothers take a cookie, that's she's gonna notice. Yeah. And so you you can't take a cookie and then be like, oh, you guys can't though. <laughs> only I can. Only, only I, can. I can have the cookie. Yeah, I'm Eat. rightist, yeah. so you guys can't do that. It's like well, the same the same authority that would prevent Martin Luther from we we all know this. The analogy holds. The same yes. authority that Martin Luther had is the same authority, is the authority that John Calvin had, which is little none. to none. Yes. Yeah. Besides yeah. their learning. And and yeah. Luther wasn't Luther wasn't um the inventor of this idea. No. Most Wy- of it is John Wycliffe. Yeah, it's it all it all it all it all uh, extends back to you like you said, Wycliffe and, and um Occam mm-hmm. and uh Marcellius of was it Marcellius of 
uh, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, but the, uh, the 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 climate of biblical theology at the time was the preference of the expert mm-hmm. over the church, and it was like, well, no, no, no. The the experts interpret scripture for us and they're the ones that are supposed to teach and it's like well yeah that's true but it's experts that are sent like you were saying and so this idea of of the expert the idea that Occam had was experts should go advise the state because Mm -hmm. the state has the authority Mm -hmm. to interpret scripture and so what what ends up happening is you have this common theme of the experts teaching the the people the masses mm-hmm. and if if expertise is if, if expertise and learning is the only thing that that qualifies you that means that anybody who went to college no matter what their beliefs are can interpret scripture for the people which means you don't actually even have to be holy to interpret scripture mm-hmm. and so you, you the, the the further and further this this introduces the ability for people who are nominally catholic or flat out atheists to interpret scripture for the people and they end up coming up with things that are similarly elitist. It, this, this is actually a very elitist claim. That, that, that authority comes from your learning, your mm-hmm. big brain. Mm-hmm. And we're the ones who get to, get to tell the people what scripture says. Spinoza, who is like the, the forefather of, of modern Old Testament interpretation. His idea was that uh, scripture is actually just like any other old document. And it's all allegory, and it's for the superstitious to learn morality. Mm-hmm. But smart people like me, we can know what's right on our own. So he, he didn't believe in God. He believed that nature was God, which is basically like believing in no God. And he was like, well, if there, there's, nothing, there's nothing outside of nature. All, all virtue is natural. And so the Bible helps stupid people figure out what virtue is. But I... I am very smart. A smart, smart man, and yes. I am a smart man, and so I can know things that are higher, and so I don't need scripture. I can just tell you what's good. And so that that uh, that kind of liberal elitism is what is what led to the French Revolution. It was like, mm-hmm. well, the, the people can govern themselves, and by people, I mean people that are smart and are lawyers. And then the, com- the communist response to that was, well, we're going to overthrow the bourgeois, the the bourgeois is liberalism is very bourgeois. This is my this is my final statement. That's all very good. Thank you. I'm I'm interested why William of Ockham thought that the state had the authority to interpret scripture. Yeah. Was that was that just because it was the papal states at the time? No. So it like really the, had the nothing state? to do. It was the same. It was the same reasoning as as. Uh, as Martin Luther, it was corruption in the papacy that led him to go, well, you know, the papacy is super corrupt, so hmm. uh, they can't be trusted. Right. So, and, and so Occam, I forget exactly what it was. It's okay. You don't have to remember. Occam and Occam and Marcellinus were very similar. Marcellinus was more, uh, what's it called? He was more of a dissenter than Occam was. And Occam was trying to rein him, his teachings in. Mm-hmm. This also happens often where a, a very a one who a person who wants to be very orthodox and also at the same time accept heterodox beliefs tries mm-hmm. to rein in the heterodox beliefs for for good purposes and then ends up making things worse. So Occam's nominalism played a role. I I don't have my books with me. My That's that okay. book with me. You don't have to remember everything. No, I do. It's important to pour What was what was Occam's big deal? What was what was his thing again? Nominalism, I'm totally, I'll, I'll remember. Yeah, not, nominalism, the razor. philosophy, the, theory of knowledge, yeah. political theory, logic. I'm just going through the Wikipedia page. You're just going through the Wikipedia page? Yeah. Uh, because I, I haven't studied this stuff. You have a degree. Yeah. I don't have any degrees. So uh, Averroism was very popular. It's a, it's a, uh, the Averroists were uh, Aristotelian splinters that came from Islam. And Aver, I forget the guy who started it, but it's like Averroism is like, derived from his name but they they saw con, uh, conflicts between aristotelian philosophy and their religious beliefs and so he came up with the idea of like oh well there can be there can be philosophical truths that are that are contradicting with theology mm-hmm. and so that's the split between theology and philosophy that started right. there and 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 marcellinus was like yeah this is this is how i'm gonna get this is how we're gonna get powerful like mm-hmm. this is how we're gonna start leveraging religion for political gain and Occam was like well yeah I like I like that I like moving power away from the 
the oh this is what it was there we go i know if you talk it was based in the spirituality of saint francis the idea of radical poverty Mm -hmm. and he he interpreted me to mean that no christian should own the the church itself should not own anything Okay. He had this. He had this. This deference to to the the spiritual or the literalist. I don't know. But anyway, it was it was based on his Franciscan spirituality. And instead of instead of being like Bonaventure and saying like, no, well, you know, religious orders can own things. Like religious orders can own like buildings and stuff, but not, you know, individually. You can't own things. Right. And so the church, but the church has the right to own things, mm-hmm. like churches. <laughs> you know. And uh, the church, the church has a right to the material goods that helps her carry out her mission. But Occam was like, "No, because you're abusing it, you can't have it at all. It actually all belongs to the state." Mm. And then the states were like, "Hell yeah, it does give us all the money, baby." Mm. And then they started all these wars. And then all the philosophers and theologians were like, "Oh my gosh, religion is causing all of these wars. We got to make sure that religion is completely wiped out." And then World War One happened two hundred years later, and no one was like, "Maybe it wasn't religion that was causing all of these problems." <laughs> and then World War Two happened, and people were like, "Yeah, it's religion's still the problem." Okay. Sorry, I, I get really I get really frustrated about that. It's specifically. okay. Also, World War One was not two hundred years after William of Ockham was alive. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was it, it was two hundred years after. Yeah, it was 300 years after the period that I was talking about. The 30 yeah. years war happened and people and people like Spinoza said religion causes conflict. Mm. And then so that that spiked bad philosophy desire. causes conflict. Let's yes. get our let's get the record straight. Yeah, bad philosophy causes conflict. Also political interests influence the church. Mm-hmm. And that causes conflict. People leverage religion. Religion mm. itself does not cause conflict. People leverage religion to cause conflict, and yeah. and this was, it, it, it was it's this Erasmian idea that, you know, they they call it dogmatic Christianity, and mm-hmm. this is people people were people loved Jesus but hated religion long before that one video. Okay, Ugh. like people people were like people were like oh dogmatic Christianity it's the biggest problem because people fight over dogma and when we when we have to decide between dogma and death, we should choose to get rid of dogma. I was like, well, mm. I'm really glad the martyrs didn't believe that. Yeah. How do you think he even got dogma in the first place? It makes me think, I mean, the do you, do you think, this is the crazy thing to me about the, the Protestant Reformation. All this stuff happens, right? You've got William Malcolm knocking around in the 1300s and the 1200s um, and other people around the same time. That's kind of when these seeds are, are beginning to germinate. But before then, you have pretty much a thousand years of uninterrupted like I mean, you have the the schism in 1054. It's certainly not uninterrupted. Not interrupted, but you have uh, heresies rising up, and then heresies getting squashed. And sometimes the heresies get very powerful, but never to yeah. the point of a, of a full break in the same way. The schism That's fair. accepting. But I think the reason is is that when Martin Luther did his thing, when he did his dance, he did that there were a lot of bishops and priests and people in the state and in authority who were Catholic, who were hurting for some kind of advantage. Yes. There there was a, a significant political benefit to becoming a follower of Luther, like a large political benefit. Yes. And I'm not saying that Luther did what he did. The Germans were looking for independence from the Roman empire. Right. And this was their chance. This was their chance. And so uh, it's really easy for us to like not know all these things and not think about these things because we like to imagine again, this American idea of Martin Luther as Robin hood. And he was doing this for the purest of reasons. And he was really trying to just get at the big bad church. And even Catholics sometimes will be like, yeah, I can kind of see where he's coming from. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we need to look at the fact of like one, his disobedience was a sin. He acknowledged it was a sin and he did it anyway. So that's, I mean, you can say that like that is not of God in that case. Yeah. So just objectively, like, you you don't even have to be a, a Catholic or a Protestant or anything. You don't even have to be a Christian. You'd be like, yeah, that looks like a thing that was wrong, <laughs> according <laughs> to the code of 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 conduct put forth by the Christian faith. 
Um, second, we don't remember, we don't think about the political things going on at the time, giving Martin Luther such a, such a powerful push. Like, I don't think if, yeah. I don't think if Germany was looking to have independence from the Roman empire, that Lutheranism would have taken off. Oh yeah. He had, he had political benefactors and people like that kept him powerful people. that kept him in hiding. You're right. Stuff. Yeah. They kept him in a castle and so that he could do all of his writings about how much he hated the Jews. And it was just great. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's all out there. He hated the Jews. Those, those, those slippery Germans. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know if I have necessarily a point here, but I'm just teasing out this idea That liberalism yes. always will jump to wherever there will be some kind of power benefit, mm-hmm. some kind of structural change that benefits the person who believes in liberalism, mm-hmm. which is why uh, a lot of people jumped on board with Martin Luther and why a lot of people jumped on board with Henry VIII and why a lot of people jumped on board with. But you have people who resist that. And what are they called? Traditionalists conservatives um dogmatic rigid you know all these things that are just like i've been called formal before formal yeah i was called formal once and those are those are really good words to some people and they're really bad words to other people yeah but i I think it's an unfair distinction and i think you're you're getting that with a lot of people now because people are sensing this not even with religion now it's to the point of it's the religion of sexuality it's the religion of whatever the heck is going on like what we were talking about in new york right it's like where is the most power that's going to benefit me right i will have the most people supporting me if i jump onto this train over here so i'm going to jump on that train and Mm -hmm. a lot of people are jumping on a different train it's a different form of liberal of liberalism just on the right and then there's a lot of people who are just kind of in the middle who don't want to submit to the principles of liberalism because they recognize that like okay this hasn't worked in the past Maybe they're not thinking this consciously, but they're thinking it subconsciously. So I don't have anywhere to go. But then these others, these sides are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because more and more people are jumping on that particular strand of liberalism. Yeah. And it's just like the Protestant Reformation, but in America and with politics and morality instead. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to have to pick a, if you don't want to have to pick the lesser of two liberalisms, yeah, join us in the resistance. How did, another revolution. No, I'm just kidding. It's ever since liberalism came out, has it ever stopped? Has anyone ever been able to stop it? No, I'm like pretty sure liberalism is the ten thousand is the thousand year reign. I'm like ninety eight percent sure, or at Remi- least it's one of them. Remind me of the ten thousand year reign. It's a one thousand year reign. One thousand. I year think reign? there's a one th- of the beast in in Revelation. I mean, oh. Revelation is. I mean, there have been several. Like Revelation is is about is not just on the cosmic level of like it's one storyline. It's a cycle. It happens over and over and over and over again, which is yeah. why Jesus says, don't be afraid when, you know, tyrants come and die. Like Nero was an antichrist. And so was, I don't know, George Hitler. Washington. I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> but <laughs> Hitler's probably an um, easier, safer one to say. Hitler was a, a safer, a safer bet, right? Both are definitely antichrist in a sense. And so it's, we, we can't say that this one's the definitive antichrist, but like the, the beast is going to have power and then it won't anymore. Mm-hmm. And so whether whether it ends because Christ comes or whether it comes because the church rises up again, I don't know. But we can't let ourselves... And this is why we keep talking about this every week. Because I just keep coming back to we can't let ourselves choose a side anymore. Yeah. Because it's... it's Catholics shouldn't have picked a side in the Thirty Years' War either. No. Because it was... It was catholic politicians versus protestant politicians it wasn't the catholic church versus protestantism you know there shouldn't have been sides even even in the first initial split catholics should have said hey why are you leaving the body Mm -hmm. why do you want to but but so many people were like they they entrenched themselves. They said, "Well, this guy's going to leave us, so screw him. We're going to do our thing." And then other other people were like, "No, he's saying the right stuff. Like, let's leave." Like there was no solidarity. Yeah. There's no unity. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not supposed to be the hallmark of the church. Is just this entrenchment and then disdain for everybody outside of yeah. your trench. 
I mean, and we we need like we need us a, a huge boost of deconstruction. Till we like in order to deconstruct the beliefs that we've grown up with about how liberalism is great and how it's the only option, it's the only answer. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, separation of church and state is basically an eleventh commandment at this point. Right. You know, but it's not. I mean, the syllabus of errors lists that as one of the errors. <laughs> So it's like, no, it hasn't been a, it, it, it might be necessary now, but it's not a good thing that the church and the state are separate. And so we need, we need like a, a huge deconstruction of our own political philosophy in order to break free of this, of these ideas. And it's like, I don't know where that boost is going to come from. I don't know how unpopular it's going to be. You know, like, are people going to call me un-American? Yes. Or, yeah, cool. So I want people fine. to start writing in and telling us that they're that they're angry at our podcast because that means we'll be yeah. doing the right thing. Yeah, share this with friends that won't like what we're talking about. Yeah. I have 10 minutes. Dr. Ethan's dating corner? Oh, you know it. You came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> All right, this welcome, Doctor Ethan's dating corner. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about this one from anonymous. Hey, Doctor Ethan and Professor Patrick, mm. don't say my name. I've converted a lot of friends to the cast, and I don't hey. want this to come back to bite me in the butt. LOL. Cool. She didn't say butt. But. So I'll try to make this short. Basically, I think I want to be a religious sister. Whoa. I've been drawn to it for a long time, and the feeling just won't go away. Okay. I also started a teaching job recently, which has really made me think I would love to be a sister teaching in a school, but there's a boy. There's always a boy. She says that. (laughs) Call him what you want. What do you want to call him? Uh, Billiards. (laughs) Nope, that's not a name. Billy Zapka. Billy Zapka. Billy Zapka from Karate Kid. We've been acquaintances for a while, but he recently started working at the same job with me, and we are also looking at similar colleges next year. Oh, no. We're both seniors in high school. Wait, Needless to say, I've just started a teaching a job if you're a senior in high school. Anyway. It's probably it's probably a uh, like a, an internship. They do uh, that. Okay, sure, sure. Like Future Teachers of America. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I've developed a C-R-U-S-H. How do I discern a vocation that I really think I'm called to while pictures of said boy are floating around in my head? I feel like I look to my right and see myself as a teacher, and then I look to my left and see myself with him in a big, happy Catholic family. Help! This is getting really distracting. I'm feeling torn. Everybody look to the left. Everybody, Everybody look, look to, to the, the right. right. <laughs> uh, you gotta... Oh, gosh. What did I say about high schools? Don't date. You can't. You can't submit questions to a 24-year-old man. I don't know what it's like anymore. I don't know. Hop on your TikTok and uh, do the do the, do do the, the renegade, renegade and <laughs> and then tell us what what they say in response. Um, as with all things in discernment, you got to take a step before you know. You can't just sit here in the middle and be like, "What do I do?" And you're you're going to listen to this podcast. We can't tell you what to do. There's no right answer here. If you always felt a pull are you planning on going to college, right? Like if you've already, if you always felt a pull, why are you going to college? Go to a convent. Yeah. You can discern out and the guy will probably still be single. <laughs> sometimes sisters want you to, sometimes orders want you to be educated. educated. Okay. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Oh, also if you're going to college, make sure you have as little debt as possible. Cause some orders won't take you if you have debt. Yeah. As a heads up. Um, if this guy doesn't ask you out, that's a pretty clear sign that you're good to go. Uh, because yeah, uh, I'm sorry. If he does and you want to say yes, say, say yes. yes. Yeah. There's really, like, I mean, you are 18 years old. I cannot impress upon you that the decisions that you make right now will not be that big of a deal in four years. I promise yeah, you. Here's the thing. There's two things that could happen, right? It could not work out, which means cool. Now you can go and pursue that other thing or it could work out. Which, Which means, means it's God's will for it to happen. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those are two things. Those are the two options. You're fine. You know? Can I talk about the Holy Spirit for a minute? Also, if you don't want to go on a date with him, say no. Say no. Can I talk about the Holy Spirit, please? Testify. All right. So a lot of times 
when I'm a, I'm doing a one-on-one with my teammates, right? And they're like, I don't know what to do yeah. with this person. I don't know what to, I want to, I want to, I want to reach out to the girls on the volleyball team because they, uh, I want to give them gospel presentations and I want to start investing nice. in them and teach them how to pray. All these things are great, but they just started having a ton of practice and they're so super busy. What do I do? And I'm like, well, and like when you're in, when you're in the moment and you have your, your heart set on something and it gets taken mm-hmm. away, you're mm-hmm. just like, ah, what do I do? This sucks. But this is why it's good to have friends who help you with these things because you can take the broader perspective and be like, look, this door is being shut right now. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Is he pretty, he's usually very clear because for mm-hmm. things like vocation and for things like evangelization, he's on our side. Like he wants to make things easy for us. Like God doesn't come down and say, how can I make this as confusing as possible for them? <laughs> like he actually will make it super clear. If you're looking and if you're not wrapped up in what you want, if you're not wrapped up in your own ideas about how this is supposed to go. So yeah, yeah, yeah. trust the Holy Spirit in everything. If, I know we kind of contradict ourselves a little. I want to make sure that's clear what we mean by like, if you want to, like that's the immediate desire versus what you want in the long, like what your picture is of your life in the long term. That mm-hmm. doesn't matter as much as like where you as a prayerful person, yeah. as someone who prays, mm-hmm. where you feel the pull of the Holy Spirit. Right. If you're not praying, it's just your, how do I say to a senior in high school, hormones. You know what it is. <laughs> in a certain direction. Yeah. Like you, you, you have to be praying and you have to be discerning and you have to have good friends who are probably older than you. And have a podcast. And have a podcast. We are your friends. We are Ethan and Patrick and we are all of your friends. We have to say it at the same time. We're going to say, we are, we are podcast on three. One, two, okay. three. We are we podcast. We are podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Nigel. <laughs> That's pretty good. Good advice. Please, somebody older than eighteen, send us a question. No, I think I think I think people in in high school need to send us more questions. Oh, okay. This is like I'm getting to the point in my doctorate where I'm just like, Oy. <laughs> yeah, you've got it. Here, take some ibuprofen, and then I'm gonna go. And then rip off the page and say, "Take this, you know, prescribe." Yeah, it. and then and then and then bill them five hundred dollars. Hey, patreoncom slash crunch. All right, do some business for me real quick. All right, business, business, business. We have business. So I am doing uh, the Nazarite challenge. I'm hosting it tonight, which is as of you hearing this is. Uh, a couple of days ago. <laughs> so if you're listening to this on Sunday or Monday, you can still sign up. Uh, you can even actually, honestly, even if it's in the middle of the month, you can still sign up. But so November 2020, if you're listening to this in November 2020, you can still sign up Nazarite, N-A-Z-A-R-I-T-E challenge.com. And you can hop on one of our two weekly, we uh, twice a week live streams where we talk about how to build your own rule of life. And then other business items, we have the crunchcast.com. And uh, yeah, you can sign up for email updates from we have new merch dropping and that is one of the best ways to support our show the other best way to support the show is by becoming a patron for three dollars or more you can be on our special facebook page that's all that i have i'm gonna make the album artwork for this podcast chunky kong (laughs) perfect patrick do you have anything else for the people we are podcast thank you all for listening please pray for us we'll be praying for you and we'll see you all next week